Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is July the 17th, 2020. I thank you for joining me. Hope all is well in your world. Uh, The world itself, uh, I'm not so sure about, given the craziness we're observing literally from coast to coast and border to border. But in any event, I hope you and those close to you are doing okay. Uh, Between COVID, the, uh, the riots, the madness, um, we've got a lot on our plates, and I want to try to cover as much territory as possible, but I want to start out with what the president is now doing to try to combat what has to be considered immigration or, or actually law enforcement anarchy across the country. It started with immigration. It started with sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities go back a long, long time. I, I thought Ed Koch here in New York City was probably the best mayor that I'd ever experienced. He was the mayor back in the uh, 80s. And he himself had sanctuary policies in place. And before him was David Dinkins, a a true disaster. So we've seen sanctuary policies over time eroding the ability of immigration law enforcement to do their job within those so-called sanctuaries, which really aren't sanctuaries. Uh, And by the way, again, I, I always make the point, I want you to take an oath that you will never again use the term political correctness, because that's nonsense. This isn't about political correctness. Political correctness provides this illusion that we're being kind and considerate and compassionate, and we're all kind of, you know, smiley and friendly. And No, no, no. This is Orwellian newspeak. This is the use of misleading language to confuse and confound any honest conversation about significant issues. And, you know, for immigration, it started when Jimmy Carter back in the late 70s ordered that immigration employees not use the term illegal alien to describe illegal aliens. We had to call them immigrants. So, of course, by extension, anybody who was opposed to any alien coming to the United States, including those who had criminal histories, those involved with terrorism, drugs, gangs, uh, those involved with taking jobs that Americans or lawful immigrants need, didn't matter. You were labeled, and you were labeled anti Immigrant, which is BS. The same laws that tell us who to kick out and who to keep out tell us who to let in, and we let in a million every year. We have the most generous immigration policies and laws in the world. So I was happy to enforce and administer those laws. I was just as happy when I acted as an adjudicator to approve an application for a green card for an alien um, who was living with an American, married to an American or a lawful immigrant. Uh, as I was to to deny an application. It wasn't about the outcome. It was about justice. It was about the requirement of law. As as an agent, I was happy if my investigation disclosed that people were entitled to an immigration benefit. Very happy. Why wouldn't I be? But the image that has been created by, by the political thugs that are out there, like Cuomo, governor of New York, and de Blasio, the mayor, who is destroying my city, wrecking it in a way that quickly will surpass the worst of the worst that we ever saw. And this is by design. I have to believe that at night, out of the view of the windows, de Blasio is jumping up and down going, yay, more shootings, yay, more robbings, yay, more rapes. Otherwise, why would he be doing what he's doing? I'm certain that he's ecstatic that cops are getting beat up and, and injured and retiring and resigning and walking away from the job. He is the king of anarchy, followed by Cuomo, who is providing driver's licenses to illegal aliens, which goes against the findings of the 9-11 Commission. We've all forgotten about the threat of terrorism, it seems. And not only providing them with licenses, but blocking access to the information from the border, to the Border Patrol and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. So it endangers the agents. It also endangers our national security. And he understands this. Because he's being very considerate with Canada. From my, it's my understanding that the Canadian government gets whatever information they need from our motor vehicle computers in New York State. But it is barred to the Border Patrol and ICE unless they apply for a subpoena 
And then a few days later, when they get around to it, when they're done with lunch and having that second cup of coffee, maybe they will deign to provide the information. You need real-time information when you see a vehicle entering the country or when you're in pursuit of a vehicle that's trying to evade the Border Patrol or when you're conducting an investigation involving human trafficking, drug smuggling, terrorism, and so forth. So what he's really done is partnered with the criminals. But that's what the Democrat Party has done, and I'm going to explain why, because I've been sitting here today going over a bunch of stuff, trying to figure out what in the world is going on. I think I found out what's going on, but we'll get to that momentarily. But I just want you to understand the situation we're in. We've turned major cities, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, into free fire zones. Uh, I have a ring doorbell. My son was kind enough to put it in. It's great when you have kids who are engineers. I was going to be an engineer. They are engineers. And one of the interesting things about Ring and similar services, and if you have one, you'll know what I'm talking about, is you get warnings when there's crimes committed within a certain radius of your house. So, you know, up until the madness of the past couple of months when they had so-called bail reform and the defund police and all this other garbage that's gone on, and yesterday the mayor signed a bill that will – basically jeopardize the safety of the police saying if you use certain holds if you do certain things and we catch you on camera you're committing a felony we're going to prosecute you we're going to lock up the cops we're not going to lock up the people that that beat cops with sticks i don't know if you folks saw that horrific i mean horrific video on the brooklyn bridge there was a demonstration on behalf of the citizenry of new york city It was joined by members of the clergy. It was about calling for an end to the shooting and then to the violence. A one-year-old little boy was just killed a couple of days ago, miles from my house, shot to death. They believe it was gang-related, gang-related. They had a shootout, and a bullet went into his stomach, and he died. He was a year old. It broke my heart. Why didn't that little black life matter, by the way? And And my wife and I watched the father, the distraught father, and the grandmother, they're beside themselves. We literally cried with them. I have children. I have grandchildren. I I would go out of my mind if God forbid anything happened to to my kids. And it doesn't feel much different when it's someone else's child. Because you look at this little boy with these big eyes in those photographs, and he's dead. He's in the ground. He's decomposing. He's not coming back, and I'm pissed. We should all be pissed. Okay? So there's a demonstration calling for an end to gun violence, calling to an end to the shooting. And as the people peacefully marched across the bridge, these jackasses affiliated, apparently, with Black Lives Matter, wonderful, peaceful organization. They're painting their signs everywhere. The mayor is out there with the paintbrush, confronted the cops. And there was a video of a vehicle stopping and handing out baseball bats to the protesters. One of the, the, one of the chiefs of the New York City Police Department had his finger broken. Other cops had their heads bashed in. They were arrested. They got the guys. So that's the good news. The bad news, within hours they were released again because we don't hold people in jail anymore. No. No. But the Democrats will scream if the president um, commutes a sentence for Roger Stone. Oh, my God, he's letting this guy loose. Stone is likely to take a baseball bat and, and, and hit a pregnant woman over the head or stab her. There was a video of that, some pregnant woman getting stabbed in front of the baby by her former boyfriend. Where were the cops? Nowhere to be found. Because this, number one, they're taking the cops off the street. Number two, why would any cop want to get involved and go to jail? lose his job, his ability or her ability to support himself or herself. So understand what we're dealing with. Uh, I'm told that my program isn't working. I'm hoping you will get this as a podcast, folks, though God only knows. Uh, I hate technical difficulties, so I just took pause to to um, look at a text someone just sent me. So I hope that this thing will be available as a podcast, but I'm going to continue on. So when you look at what has happened and you see these murders and you see de Blasio sitting there having this big signing ceremony and boasting that the number of people in jail today in New York is lower than the number in jail going back to the Second World War and saying how great, look how much safer New York is. The jails are empty not because there's no crime, but because there's been a jailbreak sanctioned by him and the other imbeciles that profess to run the city of New York. That's why the jails are empty. 
You know, I sarcastically wrote a piece years ago, and I said we could have zero crime in the United States if we declared all human activity to be legal. Murder, rape, robbery. Who cares? Do what you want. Then we could say we have zero crime. There'd be dead bodies piling up, but there'd be no crimes because everything goes. You know, it's like that, that song, everything goes, well, here we are. So there's de Blasio signing into law and giving elbow bumps with imbeciles around him and saying, how cool is this? We're hamstringing the police. We'll make sure those evil cops don't do anything. And little children are being gunned down. People are being gunned down. People are afraid to walk out of their houses. But where are you going to go? Because no matter where you go, it seems as though the Democrats are determined, hell-bent, to wreak havoc. So the president just announced that the, the, the feds are going to go out there. And, and so there was a, a press release issued both by the Department of Justice and by ICE. Here's the ICE headline, same story. HSI-led, that's Homeland Security Investigation. Now, to show you how perverted this is, HSI is a division of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. This was done by George W. Bush. He created HSI. Why? Well, I believe it was done to take the word immigration off the front page. George W. Bush, what he did to immigration enforcement after 9-11, after it was determined that immigration was the key vulnerability that made the terror attacks not only on 9-11 but other such attacks possible, gutted immigration law enforcement, split it into little pieces, blended in with all sorts of other stuff. I testified at a bunch of hearings, one of which John Hostetler, and I've made this point before, but it's worth repeating, had said that what the Bush administration gave us was immigration incoherence even after it was determined that it wasn't failures of customs law or tax law or any other law that led to 9-11, but it was multiple failures of immigration law enforcement that led to the attacks. And he said, so as a result, we have immigration incoherence, making it impossible to secure the borders, enforce the laws, and protect America and Americans. George W. So people give me this left-right nonsense. And, and for you guys who are the conservatives, take a deep breath. Don't tell me that Bush was a neocon. No, he was not neocon. He was the Republican president of the United States. Don't try to marginal. Oh, he was just the exception. Folks, he was the president. He was the president. And do you think that the leaders in the House, Boehner and, and Paul Ryan and all these others, are any different? They're all bought and paid for by the U.S. Chamber of Horrors. Uh, did I say Chamber of Horrors? I should have said Chamber of Commerce. Okay? This is open borders. Let's flood America with cheap, exploitable labor. Let's get Americans fired. Let's cut American wages. Alan Greenspan laid it out when he testified for Chuck Schumer, April 30th, 2009, and said that the solution to wage inequality, where we're dealing with high-tech workers, is to make those American workers compete with foreign workers who will work for much less money, and that way we decrease the inequality in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills, and he referred to American high-skilled workers as the privileged elite. We're talking about middle class. So understand, the Democrats and Republicans are all in. Maybe different reasons, but they've come to the same destination. So this starts to explain why there are so many kids who are disenfranchised and are disenchanted with the idea of capitalism and are embracing communism and socialism and all the other isms that are dangerous and would take from us our freedoms. But the point is we don't have capitalism in America. We haven't had capitalism in years. That's an illusion. And it's funny because everyone calls her AOC. I call her Alexandria the barmaid. Running around, corporate welfare, corporate welfare. How dare they give Amazon a tax break? She's right. Look, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, my attitude is Amazon should pay its fair share. Don't tell me they create jobs. So does the corner deli. So does the place that cleans my clothing. So does the, 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 the place where I go to get the oil changed on my car. They all have people working for them. Do they get a tax break? I don't think so. So if I can't open up a deli with a dozen employees and not pay taxes, Amazon shouldn't be in that situation either so i happen to agree with her on that point and if you're you disagree with that's great we're americans we're entitled to disagree but everyone is supposed to pay taxes and when i hear this nonsense well they create so many jobs both every business creates jobs you either do it for all or you do it for none this is supposed to be america where we're equal equal i'll say it again equal under the eyes of the law 
either everyone pays taxes or no one pays taxes. It's a very simple concept. But you see, everyone's been conditioned. If we have enough money, too big to, to fail, too big to jail, like the banks that launder the drug money, right? So we're going to cut rates because Amazon is big. And when you're big, you get what you want. You have the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Folks, that's how fascist countries operate. That's not how a free society operates. You have a business. You employ 10,000 people. Great. Pay your taxes. You're happy to make your money. Pay your damn taxes. Be a good citizen in this country and this community as a corporate citizen. The environmental laws apply to everybody. The tax laws need to apply equally to everybody. I just believe in equality. Period. The board. No specials. No favorites. Everyone or no one. Very simple. It's binary. Yes or no. But she's overlooking a bigger form of corporate welfare. And, of course, she won't because she wants it. And what's that? Flooding America with cheap foreign labor, whether it's illegal aliens doing the the physically demanding work at minimum wage or bringing in a bunch of uh, H-1B visas and, and people with green cards because they're brilliant and they're all this other stuff. We're a country of 320 million, 330 million people. You think maybe we have enough Americans who can go to school if they're not already trained to do the job. Look how many Americans have been fired. So we have a lot of Americans who are going to school, paying a ton of money to go to what are really now indoctrination centers because all this money has been pouring into our campuses from such wonderful friends of the United States. You know, China. Yeah, China, right? Wonderful friends. Um, Qatar, Saudi Arabia. Why? In fact, Betsy Voss, the Secretary of Education, has opened an investigation into corruption because the schools have received, at least they've discovered so far, $6 billion, with a B, $6 billion of unreported money given to these universities by foreign governments. And what are they giving the money to our universities for? Well, to get their kids onto our campuses and so that they have a say in the faculty and in the curriculum. So China floods money into the schools. They commit espionage. There was a press release about yet another one of these thousand talent professors working on research into rheumatoid arthritis. Now, think about this. It's not just nuclear secrets and weapons. It's everything. China is a big vacuum cleaner, and they're just sucking up everything, everything that's not nailed down. Sucks it up. Why? So they could then produce drugs for cheap. They're not spending money on research and development, which gives them an unfair advantage. And then up until now, 95% 95% of our antibiotics come to America from where? China, our good friends who threatened to cut off the flow of, nar- of, of, of the drugs, uh, but not the narcotics, of course, right? They're the ones who send us the bulk of, of, of some of these most, most dangerous narcotics imaginable. So they're happy to send that to us, but they're saying, you know, you lean on us too much. We cut off your, your antibiotics. We cut off your painkillers, your prescription drugs. Good friend of ours. And, and, and Bill Barr the attorney general is begging American companies to stop doing business with China, but they won't. They won't. So China rules with an iron fist. They have concentration camps for Muslims, over a million people being retrained, quote unquote, great euphemism, not politically correct folks. This is Orwellian. And Google and other internet providers are working with China to censor the information that Chinese citizens get and to rat on them if they dare to look for information that's not sanctioned. So Google is happy to work with a totalitarian regime to quash the human rights of the citizens of China, but they are adamant that they have no desire to help the U.S. military because our military is evil. But, of course, the Chinese totalitarian government is wonderful. Wow. And what Barr said, he's right. He said, you know, you're making a quick buck now by doing stuff in China. But understand that the Chinese goal is to put you out of business. Once they have the technology, because they've been stealing from you while you're there, they're going to sell your product at half the price and put you out of business. You're damaging your own future and the future of America, and you're helping an evil regime. And the companies keep doing it. Oh, la-di-da. All we care about is profits for the next quarter. Long-term thinking for corporate executives is the next quarter. Long-term thinking for the politicians is the next election. 
and long-term thinking for China and Russia is decades down the road. In fact, Putin just passed a law that gives him the ability to be the president of Russia for, I don't know, another 15 years or whatever, something obscene and ridiculous. Same thing in China. They're basically rulers for life. They're dictators. Let's call them out, what they are. And now Russia is stealing all the work being done around the world to try to come up with cures and vaccines for the COVID virus, which was the Chinese gift to the world that has killed how many people? But Google will work with China, but not with the U.S. military. Think of where we are and how we got here. So between being brainwashed in schools, beginning in public schools, right, our kids are coming home and finding out that mommy and daddy, may have, maybe they lost their job. Maybe they're going to have to sell their house because that wonderful job they had because they had MBAs in computer science went away because they were replaced by these wonderful hard workers from India who worked for one-third the wage. You're a kid. You find out that your family is going through that kind of trauma because your company, dirtbag companies like Disney and all these others, are firing Americans, displacing them, and bringing in foreign workers. So you have these kids saying, well, wait a minute. I was going to be like my mom and dad. I was going to be a computer programmer. I was going to be a scientist. But why would I want to do that? Because I can't get a job unless I'm willing to work for the same money that they would pay somebody who has a high school diploma, which was what Greenspan said we should be doing. Get rid of that wage premium we pay to Americans with high skills and education, right? They're making too much money. Too much money is concentrated in that sector. Too much money what? Salaries going to Americans with advanced degrees. We're paying them too much, and the solution is make them compete with the workers from the third world. This isn't capitalism, okay? This is fascism. The government is controlling everything. The politicians are doing the bidding of their employer. Who employs the politicians? And please don't tell me they draw a government paycheck. That's both, okay? In order to win an election, you need money to fund the campaign. Where does the money come from? Silicon Valley, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce a host of organizations. Now, understand the employer-employer relationship. The employer gives the employee a check and the employee deposits the check. Who's writing the check? The Chamber of Commerce. Who's writing the check? Bill Gates. Who's writing the check? Zuckerberg at Facebook. Who's So they're writing the checks, right? Who's cashing them? The political parties. And then you have the politician saying, well, wait a minute. I don't take PAC money, political action. I only take small contributions. Sure. But the parties, the Democrat Party and the Republican Party, get billions of dollars in campaign contributions from all these special interest groups and super wealthy individuals. And then they distribute the money to the candidate who does their bidding. So really, the political parties are just money laundering operations. The huge checks go into those parties, and then they distribute it to the candidate who are good little boys and good little girls and do as they're told without questioning. Is this really a free situation? Of course not. In fact, about a decade ago, a professor at, um, uh, trying to recall the university, said that America had become an oligarchy. Princeton University, highly respected university, very liberal, used to be the home of Albert Einstein, Princeton University economics professors or government professors said, you know what, this is no longer a republic. This is an oligarchy where the wealthy get exactly what they want. So you have kids coming out of school with advanced degrees, no job, and student loans that look like mortgage payments. They've already been predisposed to accept socialism because of the lies they were being given in, in, in public school, junior high, high school, and then college. Evil America. So you add that all up. This is a long time coming. Remember, our enemies are patient, they're intelligent, they have long-term goals, and they're dealing with imbeciles that we elect. Most of the people that run for office, not all, some are okay, but a lot of these people couldn't hold down a real job if their lives depended on it. Somebody once said that Washington was Hollywood for ugly people, okay? And who's Hollywood? People that need script writers to make them sound intelligent. I mean, really and truly. Half these politicians don't write their own speeches. They hire some 26-year-old kid that went to an Ivy League university and drank the Kool-Aid with two straws. And they write the speech. And and Nimrod stands there and parrots the words. 
What am I supposed to say? And then, of course, Nancy and Chuck come along, and they make sure that they understand what they're supposed to say, or they won't get reelected because they will cut off their funding, like they did to Lou Barletta when he ran for the Senate. The Republicans didn't like the fact that Lou isn't a globalist. Boom, zero money. He gave the party lots of money. He was out there fundraising, and the party didn't give it back to him. They said, oh, thanks, Lou. Good luck. Didn't have the money for a single television commercial. The Democrats recaptured that seat. The, the Democrat senator stayed in that seat with the complicit approval of the Republican Party. It's both parties doing this. So you have American kids fed up with America, fed up with the corruption, but the solution isn't to demand that we end the corruption and dump the bad politicians. They've been led to believe that the problem is capitalism. The problem is we really don't have capitalism. What we really have is, social, is, is corporate welfare. If we had real capitalism, this wouldn't be going on. Our government is not operating according to the lofty dream of Abraham Lincoln, who spoke of a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. When the Supreme Court ruled that companies were constituents, we were in deep poop. Constitu- the government isn't the, const- the companies aren't constituents. We, the people, we're the constituents. Companies aren't. But once we veered off into the weeds, our fate was sealed. And then the, the Supreme Court decision, Citizens United, that said unlimited amounts of money could be pumped into campaigns by both unions and other special interest groups, done. We need a new position in government called the auctioneer. And you've got anarchists in our government, Bill de Blasio, whose name Wilhelm whatever, who hung out with the revolutionaries in Latin America, according to some reports, back when he was in college, hates America, hates democracy, hates the police, hates New Yorkers, and I don't think gives a rat's tail about how many people die. I am telling you, he's probably drinking a toast to everyone that gets shot in New York because this is about intimidating people. This is about demanding iron-fisted control, getting the cops off the street, and getting the crooks onto the street. Why would you do this? Well, first of all, I think they're looking for a true American revolution. Um, It's interesting. I have a friend who used to be over at DHS, also in the military, who said that he knows people who uh, were involved with the intelligence agencies who said that what we're witnessing has all the earmarks of an insurgency effort to overthrow the government. Not that far-fetched. When Richard Nixon was at the bottom, at the nadir of his political situation before he resigned, Nobody ever said, not my president. Nobody ever said that. Nobody said, not my president, at any time. The first time we heard those words was when Donald Trump was elected. And both parties weren't happy because he's not a team player, you know, team crook. He's a guy that comes out there and says, we're going to make Americans first. What, are you kidding me? You think the Chamber of Commerce was happy to hear that? Of course not. So the Republicans did nothing. They didn't want to give them the money for the wall that we desperately need. When you look at the drugs, the criminals, and the access it provides to terrorists operating throughout Latin America, common sense is you build a damn wall. Common sense is you enforce immigration laws. They didn't want that. They don't care about Americans. And this is stupid because these companies depend on the middle-class consumer base to buy the crap that they produce. I mean, you know, how many people can afford to go out and buy a new car? Everybody leases cars. Why? You can't afford to buy a new car. The consumer um, standard of living has dropped. Homelessness is through the roof, pushing Americans further to the left. It's not just about importing more voters, which I hear all the time from the guys on the right. Oh, the Democrats want open borders so they can import new voters. Well, they do, but that's only the, the tip of an iceberg. What they also want to do is drive Americans into poverty. As my dad said, if you want to turn a capitalist into a communist, take away his money. Well, haven't we done that to the middle class? Take away their money. Trump was the first guy to start to say, hey, we've got to get Americans working. Obama did everything he could to move factories offshore. And when Trump ran and said, I'm going to bring those jobs back, what did you hear from Hillary? What did you hear from Obama? Those jobs are never coming back. The man's delusional. They're back. They're back. Oh, my God, we've got to get rid of them again. So Joe Biden, whose son Hunter is now under investigation by the Senate for his crooked dealings with the Ukraine and China and all kinds of stuff. Um, we have Biden out there when, they, when they're able to jumpstart him. I, I think maybe secretly they hit him with the paddles and, and get him moving again. Well, we, we've got to stop the trade wall with China. 
China is robbing us blind. They've created an illegal um, artificial network of islands in the South China Sea trying to illegally claim domain over that area that is the crossroads for commerce and has lots of natural resources. They're very focused. They know what they want. Joe Biden's trying to figure out how to walk and talk at the same time. and very often fails at it. So you have Joe Biden and his son, Hunter, connected to China, and, and he's saying, well, we have to do what we can to, to end the trade wars. Really? So what does that mean? We're going to let China get away with all this crap again until they finally overpower us and take over the world. That's their goal. They're deter- they are determined to dominate the world. And these crooked politicians don't care as long as they get their piece of the action, at least for a while. They're as short-sighted as they come. Okay, They're like Mr. Magoo. They're walking into the walls, not realizing what's waiting for them just down the road if we don't alter the trajectory of our nation. But we come back again to then why would the, Republic, would the Democrats put the criminals on the street? And it dawned on me. Something really dawned on me, and this is really interesting. I found a couple of articles today. And let me, let me pull this up for you. Uh, hang on one moment. Oh, by the way, just to, to make that point about MS-13, the president is going to use federal authority to go after MS-13. I started investigating MS-13 back in the early 90s. It was a small problem, but it was Obama's um, idiotic, dangerous, unaccompanied minor program that flooded the United States with many, many members of MS-13 and other violent transnational gangs. And the states and the cities don't want to do anything about it. They're releasing aliens who've been convicted of murder. They're releasing aliens who have raped little girls. They don't care. Don't tell me they're protecting the immigrants. That's Orwellian nonsense. And the president is saying, hey, wait a minute. You're turning people loose on the street. They're going out and they're killing more children. You've got to give them over to ICE so we can deport them. No, we're going to protect them from evil ICE agents. That's what Cuomo is saying. That's what de Blasio is saying. That's what they're saying in San Francisco and Los Angeles and Chicago. We're protecting the immigrants. No, you're not. You're getting the immigrants killed because mostly it's the members of the ethnic immigrant communities who are being killed and raped and attacked by members of transnational gangs who live in those same communities. And it's not just from Latin America. It's Asian organized crime. It's the Jamaican drug posses. It's the gangs coming out of Africa because human nature is human nature. Immigration isn't about any one race, ethnicity. Human nature is the same. And I don't care what your skin color is. Every group has the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's that simple. I've arrested people from all over the world. I've arrested mobsters who are from Italy, Israeli mobsters, a member of the IRA from Ireland. I've locked up Jamaicans, and I've locked up, yes, Mexicans and Chinese. I got an award from the government of Japan helping them with a, a cocaine smuggling operation here in the United States because you have criminals in every society, in every country, in every ethnic group. This isn't about bigotry, folks. If I'm prejudiced, I'm prejudiced against people who kill and hurt people. And I don't care what flavor they are. That's irrelevant. That's insignificant to me. What is significant is that we want to stop people from being hurt. And that makes me a thug, according to Cuomo. Think about that. So they're going after MS-13, and the group doing it is the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. I spent the final 10 years of my 30-year career as a senior special agent assigned to the OCDF program, Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, OCDETF. So he's starting to act, and I hope he's effective, and I hope he rounds them up. And I just saw on the ICE website a, a notice that they're looking to hire lots more lawyers to go after the bad guys and deport aliens who shouldn't be here. They're finally taking the right approach. And when you hear this nonsense that they're going after the immigrants, no, they're protecting the immigrants. And I want you to think about something. There are situations, and and I I find this abhorrent. It's hard to imagine this. Because when I grew up, it was a very different world. Of course, I'm a lot older now. But when I was a kid, the most safe place or the safest place you could probably be was home with your mom and dad. Today, there are so many kids living in dysfunctional situations that when they go home, they're subject to abuse and violence and malnutrition. It's a nightmare. I spent years on the street conducting investigations. It was a horror show, and it keeps getting worse and worse. So the issue is opening the school so that kids that are being abused can be discovered and they have a place that's safe and a place where they can be fed. If my parents were alive today, they'd be shocked 
beyond belief. Where we've gone, where we've gone, what has happened to children in our country, the way they're being mistreated, it's truly horrifying. So the president is out there saying we have to protect the kids. Okay, how many families, because there's a bad situation at home, go to court and get an order of protection? Now, what's an order of protection? It says that the abusive father that's raped his daughter or his niece or whatever must not come within a certain distance of that family because he poses a threat. It's called an order of protection. I wrote an article years ago, and I said that for America, orders of deportation, orders of removal, are actually uh, orders of protection. We're trying to protect America and Americans and, and lawful immigrants and everyone in our country from the sociopaths. And the Democrats can't get the sociopaths back out onto the street fast enough. So now ask yourself, why in the world would they be doing this? So I happened to go online and I started to think about the fact that we are allowing convicted felons in many states to vote. Never used to be the case. This all started around the time of Obama for the most part. Interesting, isn't it? Bet you didn't think of it. Bet you didn't hear this. So Esquire... When I was a kid, Esquire was like a slightly watered-down version of Playboy. They had some pretty models in it, and they had articles about clothing and cars. And it, was, it was one of those magazines I liked reading as a teenager. I haven't seen it in years. Apparently, I wasn't missing much. So here is a July 16th article this year, July 16th, 2020. So yesterday. So here is the headline. Florida's voting law is poll tax and sheep's clothing, one that the Supreme Court is allowed to stand. Apparently in Florida, if you want to vote, you have to pay a fine. You shouldn't be allowed to vote at all. But this article was such a hit piece on everything, and even on, on, um, on um, Governor DeSantis. So they say this, a law signed by DeSantis last year appeared to thwart the potential reach of Amendment 4, adding a requirement that fines, fees, or restitution be paid first without a system in place to help get them the information. Felons were left on their own to find out how much they owe. And they referred to him as the super spreader, I guess, referring to the COVID virus. They're not even trying to sugarcoat where they're coming from. And, and so here is a statement that they made about the president. Um, a modern system of criminal justice must be reasonably accurate, fair, humane, and timely. Our recent experience with the federal government's resumption of executions adds to the mounting body of evidence that the death penalty cannot be reconciled with those values. I remain convinced of the importance of reconsidering the constitutionality of the death penalty itself. And that's what Stephen Breyer wrote, Chief Justice, uh, Justice of the Supreme Court Breyer wrote. And then the guy who wrote the article, they called him a journalist for decades, says, yeah, but it's an election year, and the incumbent president is a career sociopath, so you know how that goes. President Trump is a career sociopath. Wow. Does it ever stop? I'd like to know what makes him a career sociopath, because he stood up to China, because a fiction was created about Russian collusion. If there was any Russian collusion, it was about Hillary and the uranium deal, and it was about Hillary and China, we can go on forever. President Trump, it's been shown, had no collusion going with Russia. And I'm not a mouthpiece for Trump. I don't always agree with Donald Trump. I have issues with him. I wish he was more nuanced, uh, you know, really. But how do you take anger towards, or how do you get angry at a president who said, let's put Americans back to work? Because this is thwarting their plans. They want, these leftists want America to fail so they can have a revolution in America. I remember taking a course in political science back in college and going back to that point, not my president. Our professor in a government on comparative governments made an interesting statement that has stayed for me a lifetime. I was only, you know, in my late teens when I took that class. And what he said was that when the citizens of a country no longer believe their government has political legitimacy, the likely result is revolution. Isn't that what has been going on at least since Trump was elected? Trying to delegitimize his administration and by extension our government. When you have chaos in the street, that adds to delegitimizing the government. 
this pushes us in the direction of a revolution, doesn't it? But there's something else going on here. And what's going on here is the fact <clears throat> that, let me, let me pull this up. There is an, uh, a website called ProCon.org. This is an advocacy website for convicted felons. Now, I got to tell you, I, I have mixed feelings about this. I remember my dad felt very strongly that when people commit a crime and they go to jail and they do their time, that society should do whatever it can to reintegrate them so they can get a job and, and get their lives back on track. And I agree with that, by the way. Unless you're putting someone in jail forever, our, our jails call themselves correctional facilities. They don't do nearly the correction they should. And I do think that too frequently people wind up in jail who maybe should be getting treatment. You find somebody with a small quantity of drugs. Remember, I enforced the drug laws for nearly half of my 30-year career. I was assigned to DEA intelligence, and then I did a 10-year assignment at the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So you find somebody with personal use drugs on them. Jail isn't going to cure them. They really need to be treated. And many of these people are involved with drugs because the pharmaceutical companies have gotten them hooked on painkillers. <clears throat> and when they can no longer get the prescriptions, they look for heroin, they look for street drugs. We have a disaster going on. And if our government was on the level about this stuff, they'd be doing commercials warning people about the dangers of drugs the way they did with cigarettes because those cigarette commercials have been super effective. The problem is that too much money is being made by people moving drug money around, including banks. Drug money washes through Wall Street, it washes through real estate, it washes through the banking industry. Banks are moving companies. They move drugs from point A to point B, and they get a fee for it. Why in the world aren't we discouraging drug use through commercials and other uh, methods of educating the public to warn them about the dangers? Don't you think that would make sense? I certainly would love to see that happen. But nevertheless, under the law, convicted felons used to be barred from voting. Today, the only state that has a blanket bar from voting, if this is a state's right issue, each state makes the determination, is Iowa. Every other state, and the changes came within the last decade or so. So I, I just came to this conclusion, and I defy you to tell me I'm wrong. I believe that Mostly it's the Democrats. There are some Republicans who push for this, but the majority are Democrats who said, let's get the convicted felons to vote. That's only half of the equation. Now they've got to motivate those convicted felons to actually go out and pull the lever. So they want to make sure they pull the lever for them. So what do you do? You tell them, hey, listen, you vote for me, and I'll make sure that even if you go back out there, and ply your trade as a, quote, career criminal, no cops, no consequences, no penalties, no jail time, vote for us. Anybody out there think I'm missing the mark? See, this is a two-step process. Give the convicted felons the right to vote, and then give them that reason to vote for the Democrats. And what's the reason? Defund the police. The bad guys hate the cops. I remember working with the anti-crime unit in, in this precinct in New York, the 71st precinct. We had a huge uh, population of folks from Jamaica, Panama, Trinidad, the Caribbean, uh, involved with drug trafficking, prostitution, firearms, and there were some violent shootings. <laughs> They're all <laughs> shooting is violent, violent crimes, including shootings. <clears throat> the drug dealers actually paid kids that were anywhere from 11 to 13 years old to ride bicycles around the block, and they gave them whistles. And if they saw the cop car coming, they'd blow the whistle. They actually blew a specific tune depending on which cop was coming. So I used to show up with my federal car. It was a, you know, an unmarked car. So the kids wouldn't recognize the car, and then you know we would all jump out and chase the drug dealers. And these kids, we were told, were beaten and threatened and everything else. They actually, the drug dealers, we're using some of those kids as hitmen. Could you imagine a 12-year-old hitman? Because a 12-year-old who gets arrested for shooting someone isn't going to be charged with murder. So these kids were given, let's say, $200. They'd give the kid a gun. They'd say, you see the guy in that blue sweatshirt? When he walks into the building, shoot him in the head. And you had kids that would actually do this. 
You have no idea what I observed out on the street working with the cops. That anti-crime unit was instrumental in so much great police work in going after violent crimes, the shootings, and everything else. And, of course, because de Blasio wants dead bodies, he disbanded the anti-crime unit. How else can you explain what happened? This is cause and effect. Within days after disbanding this unit, he stopped stop and frisk, and then Bloomberg, who stands for nothing, Mini Mike became even minier. Oh, I'm so sorry that the cops were doing stop and frisk when I was mayor. It was very effective. They got lots of guns off the street. But Bloomberg didn't stand for anything except more money and more power. So the guy is almost 80 years old. He's worth $60 billion, and he would still stoop to anything to put another $3 in his pocket. It doesn't get worse than this, folks. So here we are, kids getting gunned down, a mayor out of control, criminal justice system melting down, people dying, Americans afraid to go out, the drumbeat of revolution out there on the street, and Americans don't know which way to go. If we don't take control of this, folks, we're going to be in deep you-know-what. It's got to end. It's got to end. And you need to talk to your friends. Look, I don't care if they don't like Donald Trump, okay? Who is your alternative? An individual who would defund the police, flood America with tens of millions of new immigrants? Well, how would he do that? He and the Democrat Party want comprehensive immigration reform. Well, truth be known, so do the Republicans, and they need to be straightened out on this. But Trump doesn't want it. Because if we legalize, let's say, 25 million or 30 million illegal aliens, because that's where the estimates are, forget that 11 million figure, what no one talks about, the dirty little secret, and I've talked about it on this program, and if you go to frontpagemag.com where I write my articles, Front Page Magazine, I wrote about it. They said they ought to rename comprehensive immigration reform the Overwhelm America Act. I used to call it the um, Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act, giving lawful status to millions of aliens who aren't interviewed or no field investigations conducted. That threat's still very real and still there. But the second title I would give this piece of legislative garbage, legislative detritus, is the Overwhelm America Act. Because every alien who would be legalized would immediately, that day, have an absolute right without question, it would be in the law, it has to be, that they could bring in every single one of their minor children as well as their spouses. So if you have a guy with 10 kids, He's bringing 10 kids in within a year. And if we're talking about 30 million illegals or 25 million illegals, and they each bring in, let's say, an average of three or four children, we'll be optimistic. Do the math. We could wind up with upwards of 80, 90, 100 million children coming to America overnight, flooding our schools that are already overwhelmed and, and imploding. And when they get a bit older, they would join the labor pool even as jobs are going away, being replaced by jobs that require high skills, high levels of education, America would implode. Inflation would go through the roof. You would have almost double the population. They all need food. They all need water. They all need electricity. They need fuel. They need access to mass transit, access to hospitals. They would need jobs. They need food. Clothing, housing, the price of housing would go into the stratosphere. And as more Americans lost their jobs or had their wages greatly suppressed because this is the old story of supply and demand, you'd have how many more people unemployed and homeless? Venezuela used to be the wealthiest country in all of Latin America. I know people from Venezuela, and they talked about how beautiful it was. That was the envy of all of Latin America. Do you know that today Venezuela is the poorest country in all of Latin America and that Colombia has a huge problem because what we have on the Mexican border, Colombia has on its border with Venezuela because everyone's trying to flee the grinding poverty and the violence in Venezuela. They don't even have drinking water there. The electricity is only on for a few hours a day because the communists took over their country and wrecked their economy. That is our future if we don't react to where we are now. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're an uncle, if you're an aunt, folks, this is the future of those kids that we love so dearly. This is the future of our country. This is a train wreck, 
and it's coming towards us if we don't do something about it. And if you look at the House and Senate elections, please understand what the goal of the Democrats is. Their goal is to defund the police, open up the jails, and turn everybody loose. I kid you not. Now, if I had told you this a couple of months ago, you would say, Mike Cutler, you're out of your mind. Look at what's happening in New York. Look what's happening across the country. Look at those, those uh, autonomous zones, so-called. Is this what you want to see in your hometown? Because it's coming to you wherever you are. And by giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens, as they do in all these sanctuary cities, don't think, well, I live in, you know, pick a, a town. I, I live in Alabama. I live in, you know, Iowa. It doesn't matter to me. Well, no, you're wrong. Because once you get a driver's license in any state, you can go to any state, rent a car, and carry out a terror attack. That's what the 9-11 hijackers did. They literally traveled around the country looking to see where they could most easily get a driver's license in a fake name. The terrorists who attacked us on 9-11 in the aggregate altogether had over 360 false names and variations of false names. And these mayors and governors of sanctuary cities and sanctuary states are operating in complete diametric opposition to the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. That whole thing is out the window. I testified before something like 17 hearings in the House and Senate. It's as though I was never there. Our country has amnesia. 20 years after 9-11, no one even thinks about the dangers we still face. And I'm sure that there are foreign governments that are funding the anarchy that's playing out on our streets, and they're celebrating. They're celebrating in China. They're laughing. Iran made the point that we used to say death to America. Now we got the Americans to say death to America. That's what one of the leaders in Iran said last week or two weeks ago. Don't for a heartbeat think that there isn't foreign influence. And these useful imbeciles that are out there rioting and carrying on don't seem to understand that if, God forbid, there was a revolution, they'd be the first ones lined up against the wall and shot because that's the way it works. Because they're a problem that need to be disposed of. It won't end well. Will it happen? I hope it won't happen. But hope is not a strategy. And we as Americans need to be out there getting our voices heard. We need to have conversations with our neighbors. And, you know, and I I keep saying it, but please remember, your friends that seem to have lost their minds didn't lose their minds. They've been swindled. They've been conned by the media that doesn't tell the truth. You know, the old question, if a tree falls in the forest, there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, the other question that I'd like to ask is if a tree falls in the forest, but the media is not willing to report on it, does anybody know that the tree fell? And that's what's happening here. If you rely on, on, on most of the mainstream media, you're not getting the news from them. You're getting propaganda. That is why when there's a revolution, when there's a coup d'etat, when a government is overthrown, the first thing the rebels do after they control the airports so troops can't come in from behind them and take them out, they seize control of the methods of communication, radio stations, television stations, net, uh, newspapers, and, and, of course, now the Internet. Well, isn't that what we're seeing, a full court press by the methods of communication from Silicon Valley to television and radio and newspapers like the, like the New York Times and the Washington Post? Understand what's happening. These aren't separate incidents. It's part of a mosaic. Look at the big picture. Ask your friends, how do they feel when they see the death count? And then if they say, to you, oh, it's not really happening, go online and click on the newspapers, whether it's New York, whether it's Chicago. Look at the death count. So when you hear this nonsense, oh, these are peaceful protesters. Yes, there were peaceful protesters doing what they thought was right, and I support them 101%. I'm a huge fan of the First Amendment but it was co-opted by these individuals waiting for the right moment to strike, and the death of George Floyd gave them that opportunity that they were waiting patiently to, to, to drop in their lap. Please understand the dangers that we are facing. You know, there's an interesting um, video that's out there. Steve Jobs, on his deathbed, uh, made a statement, and they turned it into a video. It's worth watching. But the upshot of it was that as he approached his end, he said, you know, as a parent, don't teach your children how to be rich. Teach them how to be happy. 
And he made the point that if you have a watch that costs $300 or $30, it still tells time. If you're on an airplane, it doesn't matter if you're in first class or coach if the airplane goes down. If you're on a beautiful road and you're driving a $30,000 car or a $150,000 car, you still get to see the same scenery and experience the same views. And he said the most valuable thing we can have is relationships. Sit down with our friends and have dinner. Speak our minds freely. Let's go back to being able to speak our minds freely, folks. Let's sit down with those neighbors and relatives and say, look, whatever it is that has come between us, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Have those conversations and end them with a question. Do you think it's reasonable to turn the criminals loose to see children killed? Do you think it makes sense to import more foreign workers and the number of new jobs we create? Do you think it makes sense that while no rational person would get on board an airplane, if we saw people sneaking past TSA, we're being forced to live among millions of foreign nationals who don't even have an inherent right to be here, and they snuck past that very same vetting process we do at ports of entry. Questions are far more powerful than statements. Have that low-key conversation. Be respectful. Understand that your friends and your family probably think they're being compassionate and moral. They've been swindled no differently from those people who lost their life savings to Madoff, not because they were stupid, but because everybody, and I mean everybody and anybody, given circumstances, can be conned, can be swindled. Your friends, your family that you no longer talk to have been swindled. They think they're doing what's right. They have no idea because they're flying blind. In government, we used to call it the mushroom treatment. Keep people in the dark and feed them lots of uh, fertilizer. That's what's been happening. The truth is the antidote to the madness. But be gentle with your friends. They're invested in their viewpoints. They're going to resist. They're going to push back and just say, look, we're living in a dangerous era. You have to see that for what it is. I just want you to understand how I think, and I'm willing to listen to you and be willing to listen to them. Let's sit down as we used to do in this great nation and have an honest, open, frank conversation without accusations, without the name calling, without the insults. You'd be amazed at how much difference you can make. The truth is so important. And as Orwell said, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. So let's do that revolutionary act, folks. Let's have that conversation with our friends, with our neighbors, with the folks that we feel, pardon the term as an immigration agent, alienated from. And let's try to win over some folks to our side, one person at a time. I've done it. I'm sure you can do it. I always, I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. Maybe the deal is to say to them, you know what? I'm willing to watch one hour of any program that you would like me to see, but I need from you a promise that you'll be willing to watch an hour of a program that I like to watch. Um, there's a couple of good ones out there. Daily Ledger is good. Tucker Carlson at, uh, at um, Fox News is, does a great job. Laura Ingram. They all do a good job. Have them watch and then have that honest conversation. We've got to get busy. The elections are coming. And if ever there was a case where elections have consequences, this is going to be the year. Please check out my articles at frontpagemag.com, frontpage magazine. Perhaps you might want to share them with as many folks as you can, either by posting the links on Facebook or emailing the links to as many folks as you can. Also, check out my podcast at teamdmldmlnews.com. It's a subscription service, but I hope you will find it worth the effort and, uh, frankly, worth the money. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. Stay well. See you next week. So long for now.